Grab your Bibles. It's time to get into the Word of God together today. We welcome you uh, and from wherever you're watching around the world. There's a nice long list that our production team gave me, and I just wanted to mention those watching from Portugal and Serbia. We don't always have people watching from Portugal and Serbia, but we do tonight, so bless you. Welcome to King of Kings Community Jerusalem, whether you're watching on uh, our main channel on our website, King's Community Live, or Facebook Live, YouTube, around the world, other platforms, we bless you tonight. And those in the house, I want to say thank you for being courageous tonight to come into the house and to serve, whether you are on the worship team, you know, Vadim and Thais and Melissa and Yosef and Tom and Stefano, or whether you're uh, serving behind the scenes with uh, Monique and Anna and Tyro and Josh and Ryan and so many people, we bless you. We say thank you for your heart to help us worship the Lord tonight. Listen, we just got word, friends. I want you to hear me now. We just got word, especially you guys watching online, that the Homefront Command has just changed the regulations for this coming week. Now we can have up to 300 people in the house. So what that means is next week we're going to be back in the house. Everybody who feels comfortable, ready to come worship in the corporate dynamic with us, you are welcome back into King of Kings this coming Sunday. So praise the Lord for that good news. And what that means... What that really means is that Israel is feeling good about the progress we're making here in the country. That certainly doesn't mean the war is over. This war may last a long time. We don't know. But what it means is Israel has felt good about the progress finding and rooting out the terrorists that had infiltrated our country. That's the first step of feeling more safe. And they're feeling more safe about that. Then they're feeling a little bit more safe about pushing back the enemy to the borders and controlling the border walls. So with those two bits of confidence, you can see internally in the country, Israel is starting to lift those regulations a little bit for those of us that are here. Now, let me be clear. That in no way means the war is over. There is still fierce fighting with Hamas uh, in Gaza, rockets being launched every day, ground attacks, tank fire, etc., there is still fierce fighting happening on the Lebanon border with Hezbollah and also those, uh, the, the supporters of Hamas in Syria. Now, if you want to go a little bit further for prayer, those of you that want prayer points, the Iranian foreign minister had some things to say today that we didn't appreciate very much. And that is that if Israel doesn't stop protecting itself against Hamas, and the U.S. gets involved any further, then Iran threatened that they would get involved further. So we want to pray against that. We don't want that bully coming into our neck of the woods and wreaking havoc in what really should be a continuing ability to make progress for safety for the people of Israel who should have every right to defend ourselves. So thank you for your prayers. Be part of our prayer times when we send those notes out uh, as well throughout the week. And we do expect to have a few more prayer times that you can join with us in person and online this week. Check your WhatsApp page, check your Facebook. And if you don't get our newsletter, make sure you get the local and global King of Kings MailChimp newsletters. You can sign up online to do that. So thank you, Pastor Mike, for updating us uh, on the Israel War Relief Fund. And listen, there's been stories coming in from all over the place uh, I want to just say thank you to King of Kings Community who helped us to buy new clothes and undergarments for the soldiers. Thank you, King of Kings and Moda'in that has 
both made hot meals and delivered goods and bags of groceries, clothes, blankets to soldiers and those displaced. Thank you, King of Kings and Herzliya, for what you did to bring generators to the families whose houses were, uh, were bombed and they lost power. Thank you for that. Those in the West Bank congregations, I can't mention their name on camera, but thank you to our pastors in the West Bank congregations, Arab-speaking congregations who brought food and medical supplies, including medication to the elderly. We're doing so many things, including helping our soldiers with their equipment, helmets, and vests. Please give to that Israel War Relief Fund. This war is not over just because we feel like we've made progress and safety inside the country. So thank you for continuing on that with us. We're going to continue tonight for just a few minutes, and I'm going to try to be brief in our perfection series. We started with the perfect God, then perfect timing, perfect sacrifice, perfect peace, and the perfect word last week for Simchat Torah. Now, I've been receiving many questions about this war. Is this war in any way a judgment from God? That's a very frequent question I get. Is it a judgment? Is this war related to our sin and our need to repent as a nation and a peoplehood? I get that question. Is this war related to prophecy and the pushing forward to the end of the age? Well, my answer on all of these fronts has been a yes to some extent. Yes, but within measure. Not an absolute yes, but within measure. And why, why would I say that? Well, on the one hand, God would be perfectly just to discipline Israel right now. Why? Well, we're not exactly following his ways as a corporate entity. Certainly the remnant of the Messiah is holding down the fort with intercession, right? And obedience. But as a nation, we are 70% secular. And then the other 30% is primarily religious that rejects the Messiah. So if you look at it from that perspective, you can say, yeah, we, we deserve a lot. But God in his mercy, he's so patient and merciful. You could say, should we repent? Well, I think repentance is appropriate in any time and place and problem. So I would say that that is always a safe place to go is to a place of repentance. Is it related to prophecy? Sure. Why not? Everything's related to prophecy in terms of bringing the end of the age forward to us. Us being here right now as part of fulfillment of prophecy. So yes, in some measure, we can link ourselves with all of that. But I don't want any of us to go to the extreme in any of those measures. On the one hand, Israel has been trying to keep up with the Western world with its modernism and its relativism, we lead the world in abortions per capita. That's not good. We are embracing the West's liberalism, its media, the breakdown of families and marriages, homosexuality and transgenderism has all been brought into the country. So on one hand, we would understand if there was a judgment from God. But be careful if you go to the extreme on that because it's within measure. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. In terms of repentance, I think it's always a safe play. Turn your attention to Daniel chapter 9, the book of Daniel chapter 9, and let's hear what he had to say about repentance as a corporate entity. Daniel 9 
Verse 3. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition. In fasting and in sackcloth and ashes, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love and those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and we have done wrong. We have been wicked and we have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and your laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to the kings, our princes and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of Israel, both near and far, in all of the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. I'm pretty sure that we as a Jewish people collectively could say those same prayers today. I think we'd be safe if we said those prayers. Hey, as a collective people group, we have sinned. As a collective people group, we have rejected your word. And that would be a safe place to land. This is a prayer model that would be acceptable for today. It's called, if you want a term for it, it's called identificational repentance. What it means is that a small remnant repents before the Lord for the larger whole, and God receives the powerful prayer and repentance of the remnant the same way he receives the covenant-keeping element of the small remnant when the rest of the country rejects the Lord. God is very into the faithful remnant and the power that the remnant holds. It happens in covenant-keeping obedience, and it happens in repentance. And Daniel showed us that example. And by the way, that's the prayer that we recite on Yom Kippur, it's a copy of that prayer when we say the Achet prayer, or the Ashamnu prayer. It's made its way into our worship services for the holidays. Identificational repentance. God will accept that from the remnant. So if you are feeling called, like many of our prophetic people are sensing a time of repentance, by all means, please jump in and repent that we as the remnant would be a people of repentance. Now, let's also remember that Israel has made a covenant with God. We covenanted and we promised that we would be a priestly nation and an example nation amongst the other nations. And right now, friends, we are not currently doing that as a whole unit. A small remnant might be, but not as a whole country. And in light of that, sure, God would have every right to discipline us, not only for punishment and judgment, but also for training and correction in order to help us return to the God-intended destiny that he created for this nation. You see, not every time something tragic happens or something hard we go through doesn't mean it always has to do with judgment. Sometimes it can have to do with discipline or training or correction or getting your attention. Wake up, wake up, wake up. And it's a little difficult for us today to say with absolute certainty, which one of these shades of God's communication is he doing right now in the country? And because it's difficult, we will not try to say dogmatically. We will say, God loves us. He's a covenant-keeping God. We have certainly sinned, and we deserve anything that comes our way. But God's grace and his mercy continues to be faithful to his covenants, and therefore, out of his love and his mercy... He will rescue us. He will protect us. He will deliver us. He will give us victory because after all, what does God actually want? He wants Israel to walk as the priestly nation for which it was called. 
That's the end goal of no matter what shade or form God is communicating, that's the end goal that he wants. And we shouldn't look at discipline of God and, and say it's all negative. Because Proverbs 3 tells us, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. And the Bible explains in many ways that God interacts with his people in lots of forms. For instance, first, he will typically give us his word to guide us, his word to train us, and to explain to us our God-intended purpose. That's where it starts. He doesn't expect us to know what to do with no instruction, so he gives us instruction. But he doesn't just leave us with the word alone. He infills us with the Holy Spirit. That's the God presence itself inside of us that says, I gave you my instructions, but now let me empower you so you can keep my instructions. It's a guide. The guide of the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin when we fall off track. He gives us his word. He gives us his spirit. He convicts us. But if we do not obey his word, then out of his love, he will send warnings. And his warnings often come in the form of prophetic words or prophets or something like that, scripturally speaking. And if we do not listen to the prophets and the warnings, then he sends discipline to correct us, to get our attention, and to get us back on the track we were supposed to be on. But if we persist in disobedience and rebellion and sin, and we do not listen to any of those things, then God might just send judgment. But understand, he doesn't want to do that. That's not what he wants to do. That's the end of a long line of communications. And it's really not for any of us to say today, which one of those is God doing today? Well, he's probably doing a measure of all of them at one time. Loving kindness, encouragement, guiding us, empowering us, waking us up, discipline, correction, all of the above is probably happening all at one time. But now we, we turn our attention to the idea of through all of these processes and steps of the Lord's communication with his people that we might attain to the destiny that he created us to be. He's actually called us to maturity. And right now, friends, we're going to be in a place where we need maturity. Let me tell you what maturity looks like in the body of Messiah right now. It looks like don't judge your neighbor. It looks like be gracious and flexible. It looks like love others more than yourself. It looks like sometimes perseverance past emotional feelings. It looks like be in the word and in prayer every day to strengthen yourself from the well of salvation because what you see out in front of you in the world is too big for you to handle without it. That's what maturity looks like. It looks like not withdrawing to the cave of COVID. Stay engaged in your community of faith so that you can be part of the myriad of things that we're doing to bless those in need. Stay engaged. That's what maturity looks like today. It also looks like discernment. 
a spirit to discern truth from lies in today's world. Friends, if I could just take a quick moment here. Those of you that might be watching online, please understand how much you're being fed from parts of the media that may not be true at all. You might have seen the the call of Hamas for the uprising in all of the world and then quickly shown a video of thousands of people jumping over the security wall over Israel to storm Israel because Hamas had so much support. And even over the northern Lebanese border, thousands of people in the video jumped over the wall. It wasn't real. That video was three years old. It had nothing to do with this war. It's a lie. You might have seen the video where Hamas was trying to convince the world that Israel is targeting babies. And in the middle of the video recording, the pretend doll fell out of the blanket. Because they were lying. A spirit of discernment is very important today. We've had a hard time here in Israel. On the one hand, we... When we're, when we're going to retaliate and we're going to protect and we're going to clean out Hamas and what it's doing to the region, we go in and we, we make cell phone calls and we drop leaflets and we send people on foot door to door trying to tell people, get out of harm's way. And we're telling them to get out of harm's way and Hamas blocks the road so they can't leave. Hamas calls them up and says, it's a lie, you don't have to leave, it's a trick. And then today, you might have seen the footage that Hamas even blew up a bomb on their own bridge so people couldn't leave. Trying to point the finger at Israel like we did that. We didn't do that. Look at the footage. It happened from underneath the bridge. It didn't happen from on top. Discernment, discernment. Mature people of God. Now listen. In the process of teaching and training and disciplining, there are all moving us forward into maturity of the Lord. And we have several instances in the scripture where we're told to become mature. It's not okay to sit where you've been sitting. It's not okay to stay where you've been spiritually. We should all be making progress forward. Ephesians 4.11. So Yeshua gave himself, he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Messiah may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of the Messiah. Remember, the gospel comes with an expectation of transformation. You go from immature children to mature, discerning, powerful adults. Hebrews chapter 6 continues with this first two verses. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Yeshua and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death or of faith in God or instructions about cleansing rites or the laying on of hands or the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Maturity goes beyond those things. What's impressive about that list is that was a pretty big list and it was considered the immature list. The mature list goes even deeper beyond those things. You look back at that, wow, that eternal life, resurrection of the dead, laying on of hands. All of that seems pretty mature. No, that's child's play for what we're supposed to be growing into. This is a biblical process. The Lord's preparing us for something much bigger, 
much deeper. I want to teach you something tonight, and I want to teach you that the work of the Messiah, it did something eternal and universal, not only to us, but it did something to God. This is a very interesting thing. Let me give you the first key phrase of the night. Yeshua's work has not only done something on our side of the equation, but it has also done something on God's side of the equation. So let me first start with our side of the equation and what has it done? Well, certainly on our side of the equation, we've received forgiveness of sins, freedom from sin and bondage, eternal life, empowerment to obey, the spirit of God, his word. We get to be a witness. We get to walk out our calling and our destiny. All of that is things he did for us, but that's not all he did on our side of the equation. You know, Yeshua made us perfect. Now, that's a bold statement. You might say, well, Pastor Chad, listen, I can... I can embrace being redeemed. I can embrace being forgiven. I can embrace being washed. I can embrace being called righteous in God's sight, even though I know I'm not righteous. I can embrace all of those things. But now you've gone to an absurd level of the work of Messiah, and now you're trying to say that he's made us perfect. Well, let me teach you how this works. First, Yeshua was proven to be perfect so that he could make us perfect. Hebrews chapter five, seven through nine, during the days of Yeshua's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission, son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him picks up again in Hebrews chapter 7, 28. For the law appoints a high priest, men in all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. Now let me be clear. Yeshua was not imperfect so that he needed to be made perfect. He was proven to be perfect by what he suffered. He was already perfect. He was just proven. He had passed the test, and that's what this is talking about. He passed the test of perfection, unlike the earthly high priest. He passed the test of the perfect sacrifice, unlike the animals on earth. Therefore, once having passed the test of being made perfect or proven perfect himself, he could then turn around and make us perfect. Hebrews 10, 14 For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You say, whoa, Pastor Chet, I thought you were really off your rocker there for a minute, but now you're bringing it back home. Yeshua's proven perfection had the ability to make us perfect. Not just cleansed and righteous and not going to hell and all that stuff. Perfect. Hebrews 11, 39 and 40. These were all commended for their faith, talking about the heroes of faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they also be made perfect. Hebrews 12, 23. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, 
You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the congregation of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous who were made perfect. We'll go on and on about this. The perfect Messiah, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect high priest, and the perfectly made heavenly tabernacle had the capacity to make us not just forgiven, but to make us perfect. And that's part of the series we're in. Tonight's title is Being Made Perfect. And I get that it's a big theological concept that how, how can God see that? He, he knows better. It's hard for us to see it. How can he see it? Well, I told you there was two sides of the equation. The work of Yeshua did something on our side of the equation, which made, made us perfect. But do you know it did something on God's side of the equation too? So what does God see? He knows we've sinned. He knows we've fallen short. But what does he see? Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sin deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That was a decision God made. The work of Messiah made us perfect, but then God still had to decide something over here from his side of the equation. And what he decided to do was to acknowledge the sin and then go, it's gone. You say, yes, but God, I mean, you're the all-knowing God. It's right, it's right there in front of you. And he says, no, no, I decided it was gone. Yeah, but we did it. Yeah, but I decided it was gone. Yeah, but we still battle with every day. Yeah, but I decided it was gone. On my side of the equation, I decided it was gone. You guys on your side of the equation, you better catch up. Start believing what I know. Start accepting what I've accepted is the work of Yeshua has made you perfect. Isaiah chapter 38, 17. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all of my sins behind your back. You see, God doesn't want to remember your sin. Maybe that's the fallacy in our thinking. We as humanity, we love to keep records of what people have done to us. Oh, I know he, I know he came and apologized. That was really a half-hearted apology. I'm not so sure he really meant that. I'm going to write that down. Pastor Chad, half-hearted apology. I'm still somewhat offended. I remember when he took my chair in the congregation. I'm going to remember that one. He's done that one twice. That person cheated me in a business deal. You know, I said I forgave him, but I, you know, really what I did is I wrote it down in my book. But just because we're like that, don't try to project that on God. That is not how he is at all. He has decided in his book that he sees your name written in the Lamb's book of life, and over your name, he sees blood of the perfect sacrifice, and he says, it's finished. That's all I see. 
I decided a long time ago I was going to throw your sin as far as the east is from the west. And when you keep trying to bring it up, I keep trying to tell you it's behind my back. I don't see it. I buried it. What did you do with it? That's why the book of Hebrews goes on to say the work of Messiah did something that nothing else could do. It took away the guilt of the worshiper. And the only person trying to remind you of your guilt is Satan himself. It's not God. Our last verse. Team, you can come up. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What that means is when he decided on his side of the equation that he was going to pay the full price, he meant it. He paid the full ransom for everything that was owed because of our sin. And we close with this phrase. God chose to receive the work of Yeshua as payment for our sins. And he chose not to remember our sins anymore. That's how we're made perfect. We're not made perfect by the law. We're not made perfect by our sad attempt at obedience, though we should attempt to be obedient. We weren't made perfect by our arrival at maturity, although we should be trying to arrive at maturity. Everything we do will fall short, but the work of the Messiah, the perfect timing, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect high priest was able not only to prove himself perfect, but to make us perfect, the ones who receive his work, even to the point where the almighty God remembers our sin no more. And that's what it means. If the son has set you free, then you are certainly free, regardless of what it feels like. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the goodness of your word, the power of your word. We want to become mature And we know that all of these processes where they are guidance or conviction or they are training or they are discipline or they are warnings or they are judgment, they're all meant to propel us forward into maturity so that we can walk out our God-created destiny. And where we fall short, we repent. And we lean on the perfect work of Messiah Yeshua that we can be made perfect. And though everything inside of us would scream, there's no way we're perfect. And we would echo that in a fleshly angle perspective. But if we want to agree with God, then we agree that Yeshua has made us perfect, even if our eyes can't see it yet. In the same way, God has delivered us from this war, even if our eyes can't see it yet. God has delivered those hostages even if our eyes can't see it yet. God has kept his covenant and kept our borders secure even if our eyes can't see it yet. So we say thank you, Lord, that you're in charge and not us. Thank you, Lord, that on your side of the equation you made a decision to remember our sin no more. What an awesome God we serve. We cry out to you Who else are we going to cry out to in this time of tragic darkness? You alone have the words of life. We say that in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.